Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. Wow. Man, that's some good singing, wasn't it? I hope you all enjoyed it because the sermon ain't going to be nearly that good. I can just go ahead and tell you. But man, it's great to be here tonight with you guys. And uh, first time to ever uh, preach in Flora, Mississippi. Now, I've been in Flora a bunch. I've probably seen some of y'all. I spent a lot of money right up here at Primo's, right? So a lot of my, my money my, has been gone right up there to Will and them guys, you know, buying their stuff, hunted a little bit on the big black. And eat a, I've eaten a ton of hamburgers up here at the Blue Rooster. I, I've noticed it has changed now. But I've been around, around this place a lot, but it's good to get to be here with you. And I love your preacher. I love John Daniels. Y'all like John Daniels? I mean, he's all right. Yeah. He told me to ask y'all that, by the way. So, John, they said yes. Love John, love Vicky, And, uh, man, John and I have known each other, John, 20-something years, eight years, maybe 20-something. You were, in, you were in Brookhaven. I was out at Fair River. We did some things uh, back in the day. And our paths just keep crossing. There have been multiple times where I've asked John about us working together um, through the years. And John has always given me the same response. Hey, well, Vicky said. <laughs> And so I started calling Vicky the Holy Spirit. And so from now on, when I need something, I don't call John. I just call the Holy Spirit and say, hey, Vicky, what do you think? But I love these two. And man, love being here with you tonight. Man, there's joy here. You know, there's joy. We celebrate what we're singing. There's joy in this house. And we ought to be the most joyful people in this planet. Look, so much crazy going on out there, right? We're fighting battles. So much junk going on out there. But you have the hope of heaven living right inside of you. And so, man, there's, it's right. Kids, can I just say something? It's right for us to be joyful. And I didn't see nobody break out and dance on a couple of them songs, but I know some of y'all wanted to. But, man, you ought to feel the freedom to just give your joy to the Lord in this place. And so, man, God's, going, God's knitting our hearts together. He's going to grow us together tonight. Y'all good with that? If we just get into the Word of God and let the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, call you to something deeper. Okay, so if you have a Bible, you can open to the Gospel of Luke. Last part of chapter 3, first part of chapter 4 is where we're going to be tonight. I want to talk to you about a great invitation. Y'all ever gotten a good invitation before? Anybody ever invited you to, to something really, really good? Maybe somebody invited you to an exclusive event, a wedding, or to join a company, or to play Augusta National Golf Course. That's never happened to me, but, but maybe you've gone over and played over at Gaddis, at Ted Kendall's, you know, three-hole three, three course. I, I don't know where you play golf, but Augusta National would be like a, uh, that would be like off the chart good. Maybe it's an honor to be invited into a social group, to become a partner in a firm, to be inducted into a Hall of Fame of some sort. That's awesome. Come on, kids. Y'all ever been invited to go spend a night with one of your friends? You ever been invited to spend a night with one of your friends? That's fun, isn't it? Man, I love that. Whenever your friends ask you to come spend the night, you're like, yes. Or maybe you're in college and some folks that you really like, like you're thinking like they're like, they're that and I'm not that. And they ask me to be in their, you know, their apartment or, or to room with them. And you're like, bam, yes, I'm talking about that. Man, it just makes you feel good. Or if somebody ever got down on a knee and offered you a ring and said, hey, I want you to be my spouse forever. What? An incredible invitation. Now, you may hate you said yes to that, but for now, that was a great invitation. Right? You said yes. And those are great invitations, but there's a greater invitation still that we'll talk about tonight, and it's greater still by a long shot, and this, it's this one. Jesus invites you to follow him. Come on, y'all with me? Greatest invitation anybody's ever given you is for Jesus to say to you, I want you to follow me. 
I want you to follow me. It's the invitation that he gave to Peter, James, and John, and Matthew in particular as you read through Luke's Gospel chapters 4 and 5. Follow me. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Can we think about that exactly? What does that mean exactly? We talk about, we're going to talk about that, but I want to clarify what following Jesus is not. Can I clarify that for us? Because look, we're all growing up here in the deep south Bible Belt culture. Ricky, right? Ricky got saved here about when he was 12 years old, been here. Him and his wife hadn't moved in 39 years. They're going to be married 39 years coming up. What? That is amazing. That's amazing. So we've been around church is what I'm trying to tell you. And, and, and because you've been around church, you can get confused about what following Jesus is and what it's not. Following Jesus isn't believing in God. Okay, Believing in God ain't following Jesus. The Bible says in James 2.19, the demons believe in God and tremble. Okay, Just because you believe in God, that ain't it. Believe, following Jesus is not going to church. Come on. I'm reading through Luke's gospel, and listen, it's amazing how many demon-possessed people were in church at the synagogue. <laughs> Don't point at them right now, but y'all y'all know what I'm talking about. Man. You, you wondered. It, it happens. People oppressed spiritually are in church. Going to church is not following Jesus. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to the library makes you a scholar or sleeping in the garage turns you into a car. It doesn't happen that way. Doing good things is not following Jesus. I appreciate you going to read the Bible, pray, tithe, help old ladies across the street. That's amazing. But can I just tell you something? God is omnipotent. He's got all power. God is omniscient. He's got all knowledge. God, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Let me translate that for you. God don't need you. And so for you to act like you're doing God a favor by reading the Bible, praying, tithing, and all that stuff, that is not it either. Not you doing good things. That's not following Jesus. And it's not you deciding to, hey, I'm going to go live my life this way and inviting Jesus to come along and follow you. That's backwards, but that's the way a lot of us live. We set our mind, we got our, our mind made up, and we start going that way, and then we invite Jesus to follow us. That ain't it. The word follow means get behind me. You walk my road. It means that you conform, listen, you conform wholly, fully to his example. It means of all the ways that you could live your life and all the things that you could chase after in this world, you are choosing to side with Jesus and surrender everything about your life to him and I'm going to follow you. Now what was Jesus inviting these people first disciples that we're going to look at. What's he inviting them to follow him in? Right, that's what we're going to talk about. This is what it, the invitation is for you tonight, to follow Jesus. You with me? Okay, so we're going to look at three things he invites you to do, because preachers can only talk in threes, okay? Ain't no poem at the end, but I'm going to tell you a story. The first thing he invites you to do is you're invited to follow Jesus in getting your identity and your validity from God the Father. And I, I just need to go ahead and stop and tell you, guys, this, this message that I'm sharing with you, this really isn't a sermon so much for me tonight as it is, man, this is something God's been stirring in me over the last six weeks. Because right, I, I want to grow, and I spent some time just in silence and solitude, alone with the Word of God, saying, God, talk to me. And this is what He was churning up inside of me as I read 
chapters 4, 5, and 6 particularly over time. This is, this is something that's just in me, and I think it's, a, it's something God's calling me to and us to, and, and I see this as a great need for us, that, that you could get your identity and your valid, validity, your validation from God the Father. Where do you get your sense of worth? Where do you get your sense that you matter in life, your sense of significance and peace? Nothing wrong with having a desire to feel that. We come out the womb wanting somebody to notice me and validate me. Come on, you heard your little kid say, Mama, 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 look at me, Mama, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Y'all, that, that's just natural in us to want that. We want somebody to look at us, to validate us, to tell us that we matter, and we don't grow out of it. As a teenager, you want people to like you, follow you, validate you. You go to work, and you want somebody to tell you, hey, you did a good job. Well done. I appreciate you. You're getting a raise. I like to hear that, don't you? You're getting a raise. In marriage, I'm convinced that women want to hear their man say, I love you. I appreciate you. You're amazing. I'm convinced that men are like dogs. We need to be scratched and fed and acknowledged and told you're a good boy every now and then. Come on, fellas. Am I right? Come on, y'all know it's true. We don't outgrow it. And so there are, we want to feel it, but we can look for validation in my sense of worth in a lot of wrong places, performance and achievement. That if I can go score a touchdown here at Tri-County Academy on a Friday night, I'm somebody. That if I can drag a big old 12-point off the big black, score about 178, oh, yeah, I'm somebody. This is the way we think, man. If you can bring home a paycheck, if you can have this kind of house, whatever your performance is, this is a real thing. Ladies, it's a real thing for you. Your appearance, maybe you get your validation from the mirror in the gym or from Lululemon or from Gucci or from Sitka. Can I go on and mess with y'all tonight? Right? Don't we get our validation by the little tag on our clothes as if if I wear this, then people will think I'm somebody. It's, it's jacked up, but we do it. We get our validation from our relationship status. We think if we're single, we're less. Relationship status, how well your kids are doing, education, job title, wealth, social status, number of followers on social media, size of your platform. Another way that, that we sometimes have to battle about our validation and our identity is our past mistakes. Come on, you can wear a label that ain't you. But you can feel scarred and marked because of what happened in your past, what you did, what somebody did to you. I think Jesus kind of on a low-key way had to deal with this because every time people got mad at Jesus, they would throw his past up in his face. Well, at least we know who our daddy is. Okay, So Jesus had to get over that stuff. Now look at what it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 21. Jesus gets his identity and validation from the Father. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came down out of heaven. And watch this. God the Father says to Jesus, you are my beloved son in you. In you, I am well pleased. God the Father thunders from heaven. Jesus, this is who you are. In that moment, Jesus is receiving acceptance from God the Father. When did Jesus know he was God's son? Y'all ever thought about that? Some guys asked me that, that recently. When did Jesus know he was God's son? And honestly, I don't know. I mean, can I just be honest with you? I got a PhD in Greek New Testament, and I don't know. I don't know is the truth, so I don't know. I don't know if he came out of the womb knowing. Maybe. 
I don't know if like whenever he was 12 years old in the temple and he was asking all them guys the questions, if all of a sudden the light started coming on. I don't know if his mama told him. I don't know when he came to know for sure, but here's what I know. If he ever questioned, right here, God the Father made it clear. You belong to me. You are my son. That is a statement of acceptance. You are a man, Jesus, but you are more than that. And listen, I think he's telling him this so that regardless of what Jesus was about to experience, and y'all know he was about to experience rejection, false accusation, hate, and injustice, God the Father wanted him to know no matter what happens to you, son, you belong to me. He received affection. You're my beloved son. He's saying you're the son that I love. You're not just a son by standing. Listen, I love you with a perfect love. Jesus could love people because Jesus was loved. Can I say this to you? You'll never be able to give what you haven't yet received. You'll never be able to give what you haven't received. The reason Jesus could love so powerfully is because he was loved so powerfully. And Jesus in this moment is receiving approval. The Father is saying to you, I'm well pleased in you. It's interesting when you look at that word well pleased in the Greek New Testament because it's our word enjoy. I enjoy you, dude. I like you. I want to hang with you. That's what he's saying. I just love you. I'm pleased in you. Notice he doesn't say I'm pleased with you. Because if he said I'm pleased with you, it means Jesus would have done something to make God happy. But he doesn't say that. Now he could have because Jesus had left heaven and come to earth right in a humble way. Philippians 2 it says that. Luke 2.52 tells us that Jesus had increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. Jesus had, Jesus had lived a pretty dang good life. He could have said, man, I'm pleased with that dog. Give me something right here. He could have said that, but that's not what he said. He said, I'm pleased in you. Let me tell you the difference. In this moment, God is the Father saying to Jesus, you don't have to do anything for me, son. I love you already. I'm pleased with you already. And nothing you can ever do or experience will ever change that. Now, let me tell you why that's a big deal. Some of y'all wonder, why is, that, why is that a big deal? Here's why that's a big deal. Because in Jesus Christ, God now gives you that same affirmation. When you choose to turn from your sin and from yourself, and by grace, in faith, you turn to Jesus and say, forgive me, cleanse me, change me, come into my life, I give my life to you. He comes into you, you're placed into him, and the affirmation of God the Father to Jesus becomes God's affirmation toward you. You are accepted by God. You are God's son or daughter. Right? It says, to them he gave the right to become children of God, those who believe in his name. That's exactly who you are. Jesus taught you to pray, our Father. God is your Father. This is now your identity. Can I, can I help you to understand this? Your identity is not, well, I'm a man. Well, I'm a woman. Your identity is not wrapped up in your title at work, the land ownership map at the county seat. That's not your identity. The moment that you choose to trust Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit, God Himself, indwells you, and where you were dead spiritually, all of a sudden now you're alive spiritually. It's like, it's like you have a, a light on inside of you. Any of y'all like Iron Man? Any of y'all Iron Man? Iron Man? Iron Man? How I, I, he's one of the few of those shows. I, li I like Iron Man. He's, he's the man. You know what gives Iron Man his power? That little blue thing. 
right? Am I right? That arc reactor. Without the arc reactor, Tony Stark ain't nothing. You put that arc reactor in that joker, he's bad man. When you receive, if you ain't got the Holy Spirit, you ain't nothing. I don't care what you think. But you put the Holy Spirit inside of you, you got to start seeing yourself. Now, you have a supernatural identity and power that God is releasing to you. Come on, this is your identity. You're not defined by your worst failure. Come on, can I just speak over you? You're not a loser. You're not a fool. You're not stupid. You're not a miserable sinner, a pervert, or a crook. Somebody may have declared all that to you. You may have thought that about yourself, but that ain't you. And you're not your best moment either, your greatest achievement, your most wonderful success, your bright, powerful, popular. That ain't it either. What Jesus says is you are God's child, a spiritual son of daughter or son or daughter of God, and you are accepted. All right, that's it. You belong. You're in. And you're loved. Man, God loves you. Any of y'all like me, I, sometimes I think God don't like me. I just do some of the stupidest stuff. I say some of the dumbest things. You know what I'm saying? I just, I, I just think, oh, God, he must hate my guts right now. God must think I'm such a loser. And maybe you think that God's that way with you. You think he's mad. He's disappointed. He's frustrated. He's put out. And it's not true. God loves you like crazy. He loves you with a perfect love. God can't love you more than he loves you right now. He can't love you less than he loves you right now. It is a perfect love. The first song you learned to sing when you came to church at First Baptist Flora, when you was a little old bitty tapper, what did you learn to sing Jesus loves who he didn't we didn't say Jesus loves y'all I learned to sing Jesus loved me we first Bible verse we learn is for God so loved the world I'm in this world right God loves you and listen the older you get the more seasoned you get in this journey all right watch this it's the love of God that changes your life. It ain't the rules of God. It's the love of God that will keep you in the place you need to be. It's the love of God that will empower you. It's not trying to be a good guy. That ain't it. That will not keep you from giving in the temptation. But the love of God, now that's a totally different thing. That love for, of God for you is a perfect love. Can't get more, can't get less. Can't do anything to lose it. It is unconditional. Romans 8 says nothing can separate you from God's love. And you're approved. God's pleased in you. You don't have to perform to please God. And can I say to some of you out there who are like me, you think, man, I, I was raised thinking, man, if I achieve, if I can throw a fastball or a curveball, straight people out, man, I'm somebody. Raised thinking if I achieve, if I accomplish, if I win, I'm somebody. Can I just tell you, we got to get past that. God ain't that kind of daddy. And I had a great daddy. I'm just saying the world affirms people who do things, but your father says to you, he is pleased. He likes you. He's pleased in you. Y'all got kids or grandkids bring y'all art when they were little. Y'all got kids or grandkids, they bring you some art. They drew like three or four years old, bring you some art. You, you look at the picture. You don't even know what it is. Right. I, I, had a, I had a little girl brought me a, a, a notes after church today. Right. She's about four years old, but her mom, she wanted her, me to see that she had been taking notes. And so she was writing notes and I noticed Jesus, and, but she had the word, she tried to write Paul, but she wrote Puau. She misspelled it. Now, there is a chance she's a Hebrew scholar and knows the, the Puau stem. Now, there's a chance of that because there is something in Hebrew language called the Puau stem. Okay. But I ain't thinking that's what it was. 
I think she misspelled the word. Did I look at her and go, you don't know how to spell, girl. What's wrong with you? Take notes in church and get it right. Did I say that? No. Would you look at your kid's picture and go, kid, I don't even know what that is. Would you stop bringing me this C-R-A-P? I can't do this. No, you go, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Let's put it on the refrigerator. You don't like the art. You like your kid. You like your grandbaby. And that's what it is. You can't do enough to please God. You'll never make up for God. God says, just quit. Just know I love you. Are y'all with me? Now, here's why that is a big deal. Because this affirmation of his identity from God the Father is what launched Jesus into his life. He didn't live for it trying to achieve it. He lived from it. He didn't strive. He rested. In your life, you are being invited right now to begin here. You don't need to try to become somebody. You already are somebody. You don't need to fight for God's love. He loves you already. You don't have to perform and hope God approves of you. He approves of you already. And I pray that tonight it could free some of you just to receive what God says about you so that you don't have to feel like you win or lose, live or die by what the world says about you. Or the people in your present condition or your past say about you. It's the way you're called to live your life. And this affirmation sustained Jesus when he was going through hardship. Dare I say, hell itself. Can I say that, John? Okay, so I said, it sustained him when he was going through, literally, he's going through hell on earth. Two times Jesus hears this affirmation from God the Father, you're my beloved son. First time's here, we're reading it. Second time's at the Mountain of Transfiguration. Some of you Bible scholars know that's right when Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He is going to go through the passion. He is going to be rejected. He is going to be humiliated. He's going to be stripped naked. Everything in his world is about to crumble. Everybody he loves is about to leave. Everybody that he thought belonged is going to betray him. He is about to experience the ultimate in rejection, and yet God the Father wanted him to know, before that happens, son, you remember what I said about you. You belong to me. And I don't care what you see on the other side of this prayer moment. I am with you. And I believe Jesus anchored in that. And that endured, helped him to endure the dark night of his soul. Now some of you right now are on the verge of a storm or you're in a storm. And I don't know what yours looks like, but hey, I'm in one too, y'all. And in the middle of that, the accusations from the enemy begin to fly at you and about you and even about God. The enemy will tell you God has forgotten you. God don't care about you. He's forsaken you. And you wonder, God, is that true? Because it sure feels that way. And so God is inviting you tonight, child. Nobody knows your trouble but you and maybe the people in your household. Maybe it's just you. He's inviting you tonight to anchor in this truth of what God says about you. You are accepted. You are loved. You are approved by God. And if you can anchor into that and hold on to it and let it hold on to you in his time, God will come through and he will not leave you nor forsake you. He can't do it. I've had to anchor to that. And I was in seminary back in the dark ages of 1990, 1992, all the way up to 1996. Came right out of Mississippi State. Hail State with that shirt on right there. That's what I'm talking about. National champions. That's Yeah. National champions, I ain't hating on Ole Miss. I love y'all too. Not as much as I love Bulldogs, but I love y'all too. It's all good. 
okay? Fresh out of Mississippi State, and I was new at this whole preaching thing. I wasn't even sure I was down with it, being honest. There was a whole lot of my old ways I hadn't really got rid of. Y'all feel me? So I'm sitting out there on a picnic table behind the gym, knowing I was a failure when it came to the things God had called me to do. Some of my old pathways and my old actions, they were just still there. And I was just crying. Y'all, I was crying. Just saying, God, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm your guy. And God gave a song to me, John. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. God, it's like God said to me, Chip, it ain't about you trying to do what I want you to do. Yet I'm going to grow you. You just know I'm faithful. And I had to anchor when every bit of guilt and condemnation and shame is coming at me. I've had to anchor in it recently on vacation with my wife and kids. Getting up early in the morning, me and my wife about to have a discussion. Y'all know what that means? <laughs> Come on, y'all know what that means, right? Y'all, fellas, yeah, you about to have a discussion. That means you about to get lit up. That's what that means. She about to tell you something. And I knew, I knew it was coming. I could tell. I could just feel. Y'all, y'all you can sense it. And whenever you say, baby, what's wrong? And she says nothing, you know. Now you know it's on. So I know it's coming. And I swear before, I, I just tell you. I said, Jesus, whatever's about to come. And look, my wife probably has to pray the same thing sometimes. But I just said, Lord, whatever is about to come at me, because I can get real defensive and get in my flesh. Lord, would you just remind me right now that I am loved and I'm accepted and you actually like me. So that I can receive with an open heart what my wife's about to say. I'm walking a hard road at work. Had some hard meetings. And before I've sat down with people to talk, Jimmy, I've had to just say, God, would you just remind me that you love me, that you accept me and you approve of me. No matter what these people are about to tell me, God, you like me. I don't know where you are in that whole journey, but I'm saying to you tonight, if you live for people's approval, it's going to stress you out, work yourself to death, and you're going to be tempted at times to compromise your principles to win. Uh, but whenever you accept the invitation of Jesus to follow Him and get your approval and your acceptance and your love from Him, listen, you can rest and have peace. Can I speak that over you? You can rest and have peace. And you can speak peace to people who have no rest. Because you're a giver, not a taker. You have received. So you can give. Right, that's, that's invitation number one. The next couple going to be faster than that, okay? But that's important. If you don't get that one, there ain't no sense in going to the other ones. That's where we're going to start. Man, you matter because God said so. Here's the second one. You're invited to follow Jesus and being filled and led and empowered by the Holy Spirit every day. You're invited to follow Jesus and being filled and led and empowered by the Holy Spirit every day. Look at Luke 4.1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. Now, I just want you to circle in your Bible two words, filled and led. He's filled by the Holy Spirit. No provision for the flesh, nothing held back. He's saying, I want you, Holy Spirit, to fill me up. Now, listen, when you put your faith in Jesus, Ephesians 1.13 says, when you hear the gospel and you put your trust in Jesus, Ephesians 1.13 says, Holy Spirit comes to live in you. You got your blue arc reactor now. Now I got the Holy Spirit inside of me the moment you say yes to Jesus. But please hear me. Every day, God wants you to pray moment by moment, Holy Spirit, fill me up. 
All right, now listen, we grew up, you grew up like I grew up. We heard about Father, Son, and Holy Bible. And that's awesome. We need to be locked down in the Scripture. Everything we're doing is going to come right out of this book. But please hear me, the third part of the Godhead is the God, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has a name, it's God. And God wants you to be full of the Holy Spirit every single day. If you've never prayed, Holy Spirit, fill me, don't let the Pentecostals lie to you and act like you ain't had it because you, you, the Holy Spirit's in you. You pray, Holy Spirit, fill me up. Baptize me. Holy Spirit, fill me up. You can pray that. That's a good prayer. You ought to pray it every day. Don't live by your flesh. Live by the Spirit. Jesus lived that way. And He's led by the Spirit. Follow the Spirit's leading. Y'all played Simon Says, follow the leader. Same thing. Jesus learned to do what he saw the Father do, say what he heard the Father say. Now, the Bible says in Romans 8, 14, write it down. You can look it up later. It says this, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. All who are being led by the Spirit of God, those are the true sons of God. If you're not being led by the Spirit of God, there's something wrong. Y'all with me? So Jesus is filled with and he's led by the Spirit and he's empowered by the Spirit. Drop down to Luke 4, 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Power means strength, capacity, capability, authority. It's our word dynamite. And he can blow stuff up, spiritually speaking, because of the Holy Spirit. Now please hear me. You can quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. You can shut off the Holy Spirit power in your life. That's in the Bible. We could look it up. You can grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 1 Thessalonians something. Just being real. But you were meant to live filled with, led by, and empowered by the supernatural presence of Jesus Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit. That's the way you were meant to function in Flora, Mississippi. It's the way you're meant to live your life. There's some things going to fight against that. Your flesh is one of them. I don't want to do that. I want to do my thing. Right? Y'all felt that yet? It's just more easy. It's more natural to just do what I want to do. My dreams, my desires, my thoughts, my strengths, my gifts, my plans, my methods. It's going to fight against you listening to what the Holy Spirit's telling you every day. And the world's going to pull at you. Y'all listen. The world's going to pull at you. Everything you see while you're scrolling, that's all pulling at you. Telling you this is what it looks like to be a girl. This is what it looks like to be a guy. The world's going to pull at you. This is what it looks like to be successful. This is what it looks like to be important. The world's going to pull at you, and the devil's going to use your flesh and the world to try to get you away from being filled, led, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't have time to read the whole temptation of Jesus. I'm, I'm assuming y'all have heard of this one before, right? Jesus was tempted by the, by the devil three times, and then the Bible says in verse 13 that the devil leaves him till an opportune time. Let me tell you some things I've learned about temptation from the enemy, what God's, what God's showing me. First of all, temptation comes at an opportune time for you. Do you know what your opportune time is? Do you know when you're vulnerable? Do you know yet when you're vulnerable? Maybe it's when you're tired or hungry. Physically, sexually, emotionally. Maybe it's whenever the pressures of life are coming at you financially or relationally and you're vulnerable. Maybe it's whenever you feel discouraged or not appreciated. Maybe it's when you're alone or just bored. That's when you need to know, Holy Spirit, fill me up. Lead me right now. Temptation is usually subtle. I have never had the enemy come to me and tempt me and say, hey, man, you want to ruin your life today? 
Have y'all had that experience? He never says that. He never says, hey, man, let's ruin your, let's ruin your life and rot your soul. What do you say? <laughs> I don't think so. No, temptation is so subtle, sexy, rational, logical, desirable, makes sense to me, and always deadly. But here's what God has implanted in my spirit about temptation through this scripture. That temptation is not so much the devil trying to get you to go do something bad as much as... That's true. He's trying to get you to do something bad. Look at something bad, say something bad, do something bad. That's, he's tempting you with that and it appeals to your flesh. and It, it makes sense to, you, to the world. But the essence of temptation is it's not he's trying to get you to do something bad. He's trying to get you to leave something best. He's trying to get you away from God's design to be filled with and led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit every day. To get you away from God's provision. That if you will let Jesus, following Jesus, Holy Spirit, fill me up, lead me. I, I want to be empowered by you. If you will do that, please hear me. God promises to give you every blessing in heaven. Ephesians 1, go look it up. Every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1, 3. Everything the enemy tempted Jesus with, y'all check this out. Everything the devil tempted Jesus with, Turn some stones into bread. Jesus said, I don't think so. That was a temptation to use his power to get himself some bread. Right? Jesus said, that ain't it. I'm not going to satisfy my own flesh with my own power. It's not it. I'm going to follow what God says. Y'all know how much bread Jesus had whenever he's walking on this earth? I mean, have y'all thought about it? multiplying, feeding 5,000, feeding 4,000? Jesus had more bread. The devil, could, the devil tried to get him to get his own bread, and Jesus said, no, I think I'll just let the Father give me some bread. He'll have more than enough. Y'all with me? He says, Jesus, if you'll just bow down, I'll give you authority and power. Jesus said, you know what? I appreciate that, bro, but I already got that. You just go to reading through the Bible. Jesus is casting out demons left and right. They got no choice. You know why? Because Jesus is led, filled, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they got to bow down. Everything the enemy offers, Jesus gets from the Father. Jesus, if you'll just jump off the temple, man, everybody love you, man. People, you'll have crowds. If you read the Gospel of Luke, just circle how many times the word crowds show up with Jesus. This is what I'm trying to say to you. That the enemy is a thief and a liar. And he's promising you CRAP that is going to turn to rot in your mouth and gravel in your mouth. And if you will just say, Jesus, help me. Holy Spirit, fill me and lead me and empower me. God will meet your every need. Y'all with me? Your every need. Jesus passed this test. Adam and Eve failed that test. You're taking this test. And I don't know if you're going to act like Adam. Or if you act like Jesus. But Paul says in Romans 5, you're going to be one or the other. Come on, Flora, can y'all get with me? The invitation of Jesus to you, hey, follow me. You ain't ready for what I'm about to pour out on you. Follow me. Follow me. Not the world. Follow me. Everything you desire is coming to you. Okay? Here's, here's the third invitation from Jesus, and that's that you would follow Jesus in living on mission. Jesus invites you to follow him in living on mission. Jesus comes back in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then whenever you come to verse 16, it says he goes into the synagogue, which was his practice, by the way. 
Uh, Jesus made the habit of going to church, what we would call it. He goes to church. And so uh, he goes as is his habit that day after he's passed the temptation test, right? He's been praying. He goes, goes to church. And they hand him the Isaiah scroll. And it says he finds the place where it's written in Isaiah 61. Can I just say to y'all, I've read that wrong all my life. I thought Jesus went to Presbyterian church or Episcopalian church or Catholic church where they handed him the reading and it just happened to be Isaiah 61. That ain't what it says. It says they handed him the Isaiah scroll and he found Isaiah 61. He picks this on purpose. You with me? Because here's what, here's what he's going to say. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He closes up the scroll, hands it back to the attendant, sits down, everybody's looking at him like, what? And he says, and today, ladies and gentlemen, this scripture is fulfilled in front of your eyes. And they're like, oh, Jesus, yes. And they love it. And then he starts to break off the hard truth about the hardness of their hearts, and they hate him, want to kill him. Can I just tell you, don't live for the crowd. They'll love you, and then they'll hate you in, within three verses. Jesus spends the next few chapters living out Isaiah 61. He says, this is my mission. He goes to Capernaum to a synagogue and meets a demon-possessed man on the Sabbath and he casts out the demon. He's releasing the captives. Then he heals Peter's mother-in-law and a leper. He's freeing the oppressed. He preaches and teaches all over Galilee in the Judean countryside to poor folk, country folk. All but the poor have the gospel preached to them. You come to Luke chapter 5 and he's standing on the bow of Peter's boat preaching. And when he gets done, he looks at Peter and his boys and says, hey man, why don't y'all throw the nets out for a little catch? And Peter and the boys are like, geez, we've been fishing all night. It ain't happening. I don't know if it's the full moon. I don't know what it was, but these guys know about fishing. They're like, Jesus, it ain't really happening. But because you said, I'll do it. And y'all know what happens. They drop the nets down and so many fish get in the net that it starts to sink their boat. They got to call their buddies. They bring a boat, about to sink that boat too. And somewhere in there, Peter recognizes that is supernatural. This man either knew them fish were there or he told them fish to get in my net. And so he says, you are the son of God. Listen, it's the favorable year of God. That's what he's saying. God's here. All right? Now, I know I'm throwing a little bit of a fit on that, but the point is Jesus is living on mission. Out of his identity, walking in the spirit, and he knows he ain't here to make a living. Raise a few good kids who don't get in jail. Retire. Play golf every day. Hunt and fish much as you want to. And then die and go to heaven one day. That ain't it, Flora. That ain't it. That ain't why you're here. You were put on this planet to make a difference in the lives of the people that you go to school with, work with, and live beside. That's why God keeps leaving you on this planet. He's got a mission for you to live. Follow me. It's an invitation to walk with Him, learn from Him, and then do what He did. Not go to church, not do good things, not just believe in God or invite Him to go along with you on your thing, but you live your life on mission. Come on, anybody with me? I can't do nothing but pray. That's enough, girlfriend. You go to war. You go to war on your knees. And you bring the kingdom of God in Florida, Mississippi, in Madison, Mississippi, or if you work in Clinton or Jackson or wherever you go, 
You take the kingdom of God that is over us and by faith has come to now live inside of us and you let it come through you every single day. Because there's a whole bunch of people hurting out there. They need to know the love and forgiveness and grace and life and hope and joy and power that can come through Jesus Christ. But you got to have your eyes open and start living on mission. I was in Wyoming this summer. Really reading all that, quite honestly. I mean, everything I just unpacked, y'all, I was reading that. Had flown into to Jackson Hole, Wyoming on a Tuesday evening. Got there late. Got me some groceries. Went to bed. Next morning, got up reading my Bible. Reading this. Decided I'd go get a shower, but tried to turn the shower on. Shower wouldn't come on. I'm like, what they gone? They told me that they, the people told me, hey, man, we had some trouble with the washing machine. And, and so, I mean, you may not want to be able to wash clothes, whatever. So I just assumed that when they turned the water off, they must not have turned it back on. So the shower's not coming on. I might turn the handle to the left, turn it to the right, push it, pull it a little bit. Didn't want to break anything, y'all know. But, but, but I'm trying to turn it on. It ain't coming on. So I called maintenance, and they said they'd send somebody over. And I went back on the couch, and me and Jesus talking about, man, following him. Jesus filling me up with, man, my identity and my calling to be filled, led, and empowered by the Holy Spirit on mission. Man, I, I'm, I'm feeling it, okay? About lunchtime, there's a knock on the door. I get up and go over to the door, and there's a dude named Calvin who's standing there from maintenance. And uh, he said, I said, uh, how you doing? He said, my name's Calvin from maintenance. I said, well, come on in, Calvin. Man, this shower ain't working. I'm sure y'all just left the, the power off. You know, left the water off whenever y'all working on the, on the washing machine, blah, 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 blah. Calvin comes in the in the bathroom, turns the knob to the left, turns the knob to the right, pulls it out, and water just starts flowing right out the, right out the tub. I have never felt more like a preacher than in that moment. John, you know what I'm saying? I'm just that preach. That, that's just us. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so stinking embarrassed. I know how to turn the water on. I, I did everything he did, and it did not happen. I said, Calvin, I don't even know what to say, man. I'm embarrassed. I hate you. Had to come out here, dude. Waste your time like that. But thank you. I showed him to the door, and I shut the door, and he walked down the stairs. I guess whatever he was gonna do, and I went back and I and I, and I picked up with Jesus on the couch. I said, Jesus, where were we? And it's like Jesus said to me, what was that? I was like, Jesus, I was a dude coming to fix, my, fix the shower. And he goes, no, what was that? Were you even aware of what was going on right there? And it began to, I mean, listen, I don't know if God talks to y'all, but, but I had this spirit conversation with the Lord. And I'm beginning to realize, man, I had left Jesus on the couch while I went and did my life. And I remember looking at Calvin when he came in the door and he was kind of frumped over and looked like he hadn't shaved in a while. And God spoke to me and said, Chip, what if this wasn't about your shower? What if that was about Calvin? And I was like, God, forgive me. It's been three or four minutes, me and God talking about this. And so I'm like, man, I'm going to jump up and go catch him before he gets out of the parking lot. So I get up, run, jump to the, run to the door, open it up. I'm, I'm fixing to yell at Calvin. I open up the door. He's standing there. I'm like, Calvin, what are you doing, man? You're right here. He's standing there. I said, Calvin, this is going to sound crazy, dude, but uh, are you burdened by anything? And he said, it's the worst day of my life. My girlfriend quit me. Falsely accused me. I've been in jail, been overworked, underpaid. But I'm at my, I'm at my end. I said, Calvin, this is going to sound really, really crazy, but I've been in here reading the Bible. And I've been reading about Isaiah 61 and Luke 4 where Jesus talked about coming to help people and, and to, to, to let them know that he loves them. Kevin, do you believe in God? Giving up on God. 
I said, Calvin, what if God hadn't given up on you? Calvin, what if you didn't come to fix that shower? Calvin, I think God brought you here so that he could tell you he's heard you and he sees you and he loves you and he's not done with you. So Calvin, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe in Jesus. Jesus needs to give me a girlfriend. That's what he said. They want 20, that's what he said. They want 20 bucks online just to talk. <laughs> oh, okay, Calvin. Well, whoo, I don't believe I'd have told that. But since you did, Calvin, what you need, Calvin, is not a girl. Because can't there's no girl on this planet can feel what's missing in your life, Calvin. So, Calvin, you ever had a relationship with Jesus? He said, no, but I'd like to. He said, Calvin, can I read Isaiah 61 to you? We're standing out there on the porch. He said, yeah. I said, dude, I'll pay you. If you've got to go do another job, I'll pay you to listen to me read the Bible right now. He said, no, I'm good. I read to him Isaiah 61 where it talks about God coming to set the captive free. Preach good news to poor folk. To release those who are oppressed. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. To exchange garments of mourning and give you garments of praising. To turn ashes into beauty. And I got through reading it and he said, man, I've never, I've never finished first. I've always finished last. I said, well, Calvin, God's about to change that. So, Calvin, do you want to, do you want to trust Jesus to forgive you of your sins and come into your life? He said, yes, I do. And standing right there on that front porch, Calvin went from death to life, from giving up to going on, from hopeless to having hope. Prayed for him, exchanged some information. He went on his way and I shut the door and I just said, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't ever want to leave you on the couch again. And that, Flora, is really what I think I came to tell you tonight. Is that Jesus doesn't really want you to leave him in this building anymore. To have your quiet time in the morning and then shut your Sunday school lesson and then go live your life your way. There's a lot of Calvins out there who need you. You're going to school with them. You're working beside them. And God wants you to begin to live your life on mission. Are with me? So let's kind of wrap up our time. Can we pray? Let's just pray across the room right now. You may have gotten some great invitations in your lifetime, but here is the invitation of God to you today. Don't leave me in the church. Follow me. Come on, can you hear the Spirit of God saying to you, Follow me. It's not church, this is life. Have you been looking for love in all the wrong places? Friends, achievement, accomplishment. Losing your mind. Hurting people you love, trying to get somebody to validate you. Would you just stop right now and say, Jesus, I receive that you love me and I turn from myself and I turn to you. Forgive me. God, I receive your love right now in this moment. Would you fire your spouse? He can't complete you, girl. Only Jesus can do that. Quit demanding it. She can't complete you, dude. Only Jesus can do that. Fire her in your mind right now. Just say, God, she can't do it. He can't do it. 
God, you love me. You accept me. You approve of me. Let me rest in that. Would you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you? Come on, if you, if you pray that, though, you got to be willing to give him everything. Don't hold anything back. It's the invitation of Jesus. The life he wants, found following him. Would you say, Jesus, fill me up? My mind, my thoughts, the secret places, the wounds, the hurt, the dreams. Fill me up. Holy Spirit, fill me Baptize me, cover me, fill me up, and lead me. Set a guard over my mouth. Direct my steps. Empower us, God, to do what we cannot do on our own. Power to stay, the power to love, the power to forgive, the power to to have strength, Lord, in the face of temptation, trusting in you. Father, Holy Spirit, would you empower us right now? And would you ask the Holy Spirit to help you to live your life on mission? Maybe your mission has a name. I didn't know Calvin until I met him. Maybe you already know who yours is. Would you pray for them by name? Would you ask the Lord to give you spiritual eyes to see people like he sees them, to share his love wherever you go? Just a second, we're going to stand up. We're going to have a time of response. You're already responding, but. John's going to be down here at the front. You come pray if you want to pray. But would you just follow what the Lord is telling you? If you want to give your life to Christ for the first time to follow him. Man, we want to pray for you, encourage you, and help you with that. If you need some prayer, support, and encouragement, we're here for you. But would you follow the Lord? God, we bless you. We praise you. And Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters right here in this place. Lord, thank you that your love is enough, that your spirit is able. And God, that your mission field is wide unto harvest. God, would you fill us up? Turn us out. And God, bring your kingdom come right here on earth, even as it is in heaven. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. We respond to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.